Hello and welcome to Machine-Centric Science. My name is Donnie Winston and I am here to talk about the fair principles and practice for scientists who want to compound their impacts, not their errors. Today we're, going, we're, today we're joined by special guest Sandra Gazing. Um, I know Sandra through a Research Data Alliance RDA uh, working group, briefly getting to know her better and very excited to have her on the show today. Uh, Sandra, welcome and could you please uh, Tell us a little bit about why I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you for your kind invitation. This is, this is really exciting. And um, yeah, I, I hope I can uh, show that, that it's uh, also exciting for the uh, listeners and for you to, to have me on the show. So I, I'm Sandra Gething. I'm a senior research scientist and the lead at, at the Discover Partners Institute at the University of Illinois Chicago in, in the system. And um, yes, so, so my research is about science gateways, computational workflows, distributed computing. And science gateways is, yeah, our, our concepts, which, which is software, research software to make it easier for scientists to and educators to really concentrate on their work, on their research questions, and instead of getting into nitty gritty details of all the technologies, and then we come really to FAIR. So for everyone who doesn't know what FAIR is, it's findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. And so there is really a big hype around the FAIR principles, uh, rightfully so. And it started with digital objects. And first, everyone looked at data. And now we look also at software and workflows. And that makes it a little bit complex, but also, um, yeah, because there are other rules for software than for data, for, for the different principles, um, because software has other characteristics, and but, but some are also overlapping, like having a DUI, for example, or, but interoperable software is different than interoperable data, for example. So, so I, I think that we have these fair principles for software and workflows and really look at the different characteristics specifically for, for these um, digital objects is really important. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I'd also like to highlight, you know, for people, I, I'm also excited, a fun fact, um, you know, I, I know Illinois is sort of the, the birthplace, that area of, of the original Mosaic web browser. So that was kind of the original gateway to the web of documents. So, it, you know, very appropriate that you're working on the gateway to um, more advanced semantic stuff um, for science. Um, yeah. So, uh, fair data, I'm, 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 I'm used to the idea of, of, of data as kind of static, or I can pretend that it's static. Like I can uh, be asked for a data set and I can get that, I can hold on to it, and I can maybe get the SHA-256 checksum of, of the, that bit sequence and like, okay, I've got this data set. Um, software a little more elusive because, oh, I can have this version of the software but you know, maybe there's enhancements or bugs, so I actually kind of really definitely want to keep track of updates to it. I wanted that for a data set too, probably, but like like even more so, like if, if there's some logical you know issue I want. And then for for a, a virtual research environment, for, for for a gateway, you know, 
even more so, how, how can I actually really know, um, you know, what version of, of what is there? So I, I feel like it, you know, gateways are a real stress test of, of the fair principles and, and like, you know, get, getting that in. So I, I'm curious, um, what have you seen in your experience? I, I know you're, you're involved with some, some major uh, gateway initiatives. Um, in terms of applying the fair principles that maybe seem more naturally suited for data to uh, to workflows, um, so so to, you know maybe part of your uh, your work with the RDA re working groups, but also just your your professional work at, at your gateway, trying to serve the scientists. What, um, what are some of the, uh, the the challenges that you've seen, and and how you've chosen to address them, and maybe how how that's that's going? Yeah, so, so I totally agree to that science gateways, virtual research environment stress it all because it has, they have these layers of, there's a software framework that, that provides the environment. Then in, in an instance of a virtual research environment, you have workflows and data and tools and all, all these different things. So, and what I've seen with workflows, especially not only in science gateways, but in general is even Though they are made to really make research and um, computational methods reproducible, because that's the idea. You want a workflow really like, okay, I can give different input, I data into that, I can, so that groups can reproduce results or additional results uh, or produce additional results with the right methods for, for something, with the right scientific methods. And so even that should be, but being re really reproducible is still a big topic also in workflows. It sounds so easy to say, oh, if you have this workflow, then, then it should always, you know, produce the same results. That doesn't happen because a workflow consists out of data and in a specific order with tools. Mm -hmm. And if data changes, if tools are changing, you know, there was, for example, a publication a couple of years ago that Taverna, which is the science gateways with workflow, uh, looked into whether even between the different Taverna instances, results are reproducible. And it was not, because there might be just a tool to create a different result because it's in a different um, operating system and only maybe minor changes, but even between instances of the same workflow tools, it was not always the same result. It, it was not easy to reproduce. And so we have to be very careful there. And uh, some solution is, for example, to have workflows in containers, in Docker containers, that you have the whole environment, that that doesn't change. Or you really work with um, tools like ReproCep, which are also packing the whole environment, and you, you can ship it so that you can unpack it and also start again with exactly always the same environment. So that is really why, why it's reproducible is really hard, hard to do. It is, it is not easy to, to have um, workflows. Even the logic is there. So on a high level, theoretical level, you have this, oh yeah, we know what we are doing there. But then you come to the um, practical level with the different versions of tools, with maybe a different operating system. And, and then it gets, yeah, it, it comes again into 
that moment where not everything is reproducible. Okay. Yeah. Th I, I, thank you. I, I like that that I, idea of. Um, yeah, it seems like the idea of containerization and, and 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 Docker's work has taken the world by storm in terms of a way of, um, I guess, equivalent for for data and software to essentially have a bit sequence <laughs> uh, that that you know here's a file, here's a, here's a Docker image that that should should have everything that I needed. Um, Stepping back a little bit in terms of like the motivations and the need for for gateways, I, I'm thinking, for example, if I want to reproduce um, some big analysis that involves lots of data and software, um, maybe theoretically I could produce a Docker image that contains everything that I need, but that Docker image might be a petabyte, <laughs> you know, if it really actually contains everything and then I need to run it. And so maybe I don't want to just use the couple cores on my laptop and, you know, the, the, the meager RAM that I have, and I want to mount volumes for intermediate results. So I maybe need a big hard. So, so it's like, it's like, even if I could reproduce it, the, you know, I can see like the motivation of just having these gateways, having access to these HPC resources and, and clouds and et cetera. And so I, I imagine that complicates the, the, the ability of someone to truly reproduce something because they, they might not necessarily be able to under their own hardware. Um, so so I, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what are some alternatives for people that, that you see in terms of, of of um, having trust in the reusability and reproducibility and, and fidelity of, of these these workflow runs in, in situations when like they they probably can't feasibly reproduce the whole thing themselves, even if it's technically available, just because it, it costs money and and, and facility. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so there is really also another group working on a little bit this um, translational science concept. How can you really prove between software workflows and the theory that the software and workflows do the right thing? Yeah, that is still really big topic. So we we met two years ago, I, oh, two and a half already. But <laughs> yeah, pandemic. So <laughs> it was a face to face meeting. So it has yeah. to be two and a half years. <laughs> um, exactly. So so we looked into how can we really prove. So if we have the experts who understand the science and say, okay. I really need these simulation tools or these workflows to do exactly this, what this concept expects to solve. And how can we prove that someone who, even if he, you know, if they follow exactly the instructions and, and understand also the theory and still that the software does what it's expected to do, how do we prove that the results are really what you want to see? It's still a hard problem. So that that is really... So therefore, I've seen that in science often um, that people really refer them to peers or who who say, "Okay, this really makes this result makes sense," and they really refer with trust to peers they trust or to papers where they say, "Okay, 
that has been peer reviewed that I, I can trust this. And the other thing is, as, as you said, petabytes, you know, it's, so the other thing is really also, um, you, you cannot always run everything again. Like I, I worked with molecular simulation, some runs were three months. You don't do that again because, you know, of, of course there are checkpoints in between and all these things, but you don't run that again just to prove that it's really reproducible. That yeah. that that just you know that nobody has time for that. Nobody has the resources for that. So I, I think what what we do is really as soon as a method, or what I've seen, you first try it with a little test data set to see whether whether the results make sense. And yeah, you make a peer review out of it, or you you know. You, you work with colleagues who, who are also experts on that and, you know, you work together to see, especially with new tools, does that really make sense, you know? So, and, and that is how it goes on. So reproducible. So we asked this question in one of the RDA interest groups, the virtual research environment interest group, how people develop trust to methods. Right. Because you cannot... Be you know especially in science gateway, on purpose a lot of things are hidden to make it easier that you don't deal with the technology, mm -hmm. but that also means you have to trust it, and a lot of researchers that I trust you know the handful of colleagues mm -hmm. around me who have the same expertise or I work a lot of with, if they say it's okay, I'm quite sure that I can use it and that it's okay, so it comes to the human factor. That is what I've often seen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and like trying to like make that human, uh, I'm curious about efforts to make that human factor to, 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 to translate it to the fair principles as, as much as possible. So there are lots of people, you know, trust is a, is a huge topic. And, and I, I guess when it comes to fair data or, or even, you know, small scale software, you don't necessarily have to trust the result. Uh, if, if you trust the data and the software integrity, then you can run it yourself and you can trust the result that you got on your computers. But it seems like with these gateway things, like, yeah, you need to trust that someone else ran it correctly because you don't control the hardware. And, and I, I know there are lots of initiatives in the digital space or you know, for, I mean, for many years are around trust. A lot of them rely on uh, cryptography, the idea of, of digital signatures and, and just things where you can kind of distribute trust uh, over over networks in, in ways that are fair. Um, and, and so it seems like this issue of, of verifying trust might be particularly uh, an issue with, with, with workflows. So I'm, I'm curious about your, your experience with that. Is, is it still like, pretty much all like talk to someone and, and, and ask them and, 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 you know, someone emailed you and then that's good. Or has there been any um, use of digital trust mechanisms um, or do you see that in the future towards providing this, this necessary means of uh, people being able to, to reuse uh, without having to reproduce? Yes. Yeah, so, so there are a couple of things, for example, Galaxy is a big uh, science gateway with, with workflows, and um, they have um, an, 
instance that is publicly available. So you can get a user account. You cannot change anything in the workflow itself. You can put your own data and run the workflow. Mm -hmm. And I know the team behind that and how you know they really have the expertise for the workflows that they have. So, for example, I would trust workflows in Galaxy in the you know official instance that that it really works. So it could be you know something like that. The whole team is behind that. So so I don't need to know them directly, but I know that they're for years in the space and and they have millions of users. So and if there's really you know some problem, they would solve it. So so that, that could be one. It's a kind of a human factor, but also I don't have to know them personally. Hmm. I just know really the reputation and that it's so widely used. Because it's publicly available, people are very careful about that. And it, it's really that they're sharing it. So the, I think that is part of the trust that it's, if you make it publicly available like that to users, and there's a big community, if somebody would have found an error in a workflow or something, they would say it. The, the community, I think, is really very, very welcoming in, in that space. So the, the Science Gateway community on cyber infrastructure, I must really say, very welcoming, always focused on make it a better place and not trying, you know, <laughs> to, yeah. to really trying to solve problems and not trying to be hostile to each other. Let's say it like this. So I, I really love being in that community. It's a, it's a very, very good community for collaboration. Um, but the other thing, of course, there are really interesting trends now to look into peer-to-peer -peer frameworks, for example, that really data you transfer that it's not centralized with security, but that, oh, if it comes from that peer and that peer signs it, I, I can trust it. Mm -hmm. So that that it's really that peers are signing up in a network with each other. And, and we talked about also blockchain technologies to integrate that in security right. and, uh, and do these signatures. So I, I think there are really interesting trends at the moment uh, beyond really authentication also for access to data and who can really change things and, and who is in a project. So I, I think besides the normal security or authentication and authorization mechanisms, there, there are really interesting trends with the peer-to-peer -peer and blockchain. Cool. Yeah. Sandra, I really like how you, you know, I, I brought it in with, with like a, like a, a, a viewer perspective or focus, whatever on a kind of the, the author contributor and like, are, are we going to trust by like the person, you know, and, 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 you know, who signed it or the agent, but you brought in a great point, which you, which you get it at the, the galaxy community. And I actually got this as, as part of uh, my work with the, the materials project and a computational material science project at Berkeley, where by, by having a, a, an open shared platform and open code bases. So for example, we, we were prepared to accept um, simulation results that were performed by other groups if they used um, our open source uh, Atomate workflow library based on this, this fireworks, just names, names of software that we're using. So in addition to like, oh yes, I, I trust this, this person, you know, we also kind of mitigate the risk of it being incompatible by like, well, they're also using like the same software we're using. 
Um, so it's, it's possible that, you know, they've misconfigured the environment or whatever, but, but we're kind of, you know, getting, getting more trust, um, because we're using the same thing. And, and of course that mode wouldn't have been available, um, if we didn't have that source code available. And also probably if, if, you know, users of the code base didn't feel like they could contribute to it. So not just, um, open source in a license sense, but open source in, in a, in a development sense, you know, the idea of like pull requests and that sort of thing that, that, that uh, GitHub is popularized and socialized um, where you collaboratively develop. And I, I imagine that that's a big part of the galaxy, as you mentioned, where you might not uh, trust a, a particular person or no particular person, but, but you sort of, they, they've bought into this ecosystem. Um, and so there, there's some trust inherent in that. Um, so I, 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 I don't know if I'm off base here, but I'd like you maybe comment on that. If, if maybe um, uh, the ideas of uh, free software, open source software and collaborative development sort of really play an important role in uh, the, the verification of gateways and VREs by providing that kind of trust base of, of the methodology. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious if, if like, uh, have you seen uh closed source closed gateways work do they all just tend to be open by default are there reasons why they, they keep being open um I, yeah i'm curious about your experience with that having having you know directed and, and been a bit on part of these gateway initiatives so i, th I think most of it is really open source and f for the reason exactly that partially that the uh, academic or national lab teams behind it and, and they share it, they share their software. Uh, they would like also their partners to use the software, of course, that, that is part of, you know, to have the bigger community. And with ScienceGate ways, especially it's often people would like to share their results. So we, we did like years ago a survey while I was uh, part of the molecular simulation grid um, science gateway initiative and project and still in Germany. And we asked and we got results from around 200 people where we were like, okay, would you share your tools, your workflows, your data? And we asked it in three questions. Are, are your results? And so, so what they did, 80% said they would share their tools and workflows. And eighty percent is a high number. Yeah, but yeah, but but yeah, molecular simulation that that is also drug design, and then it comes, you know, also to, together. There's really then, um, let's say, money in there to to have uh, because it's very expensive to develop drugs, so, and it, it takes ten to fifteen years to really from the first idea to or the first simulations that you know looking at the substances and everything what has to be tested until something comes really to the market. So if you ask th this group, they, they share also to eighty percent workflows and tools, but there would be yeah they share the data after it's patented or after you know they have published it so because the cost of developing successful drugs is just too high that people feel like they have to protect the data first mm -hmm. and i can see that and for other initiatives the goal is to share data you know it's like right. so th that is exactly what they want they, they want to share the data they want to make it fair they want that people know about it so for example survey data often when 
the raw data you can find nowadays often, for example, from the research software engineers, you know, there's a yearly survey um, how the landscape is internationally and, it, you know, the surveys in every country or every two years, maybe it's now every two years, I don't want to say something wrong, but um, the raw data is always directly shared when it's, you know, when it's also put out the analytics and, and what other new numbers are, mm. because people want that other people can find it, that they can work with it, that that there's outreach um, for research software engineers, because what we want in USRSE, for example, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association is to improve career paths for research software engineers, that they have a place in academia and national labs, that they have real career paths, that they have incentive to stay in academia. And because, yeah, we cannot pay the Google salaries of the world, you know, in academia, but we have normally we get people in, in the space because of, of the working culture, because of interesting challenges and problems to work with and you can be part of initiatives you could be maybe not then you are not in, in research but I got a little bit off track I think <laughs> no no that, that, that's just great um, I, I, it's fascinating you said to me thank you about this poll where it seems like um, most of the, the people in the survey are, are very okay and positive about sharing tools and workflows, the, the software, and, and, and I guess the, the, the configuration that, that will be run by the gateways, you know, the, the workflows. Um, but in terms of the actual data, uh, you know, that's like, well, maybe post-publication um, yeah. after it's patented, but maybe never if it's a trade secret. Um, so, so what's interesting to me about that is it, it, it feels like almost that the software and workflow spaces might see less friction more broadly to verification than data. Um, just, just because uh, they're more, maybe more likely to have open eyes on it. You know, fair isn't the same as open, but, but, you know, maybe these communities are more likely to have eyes on it so that, you know, people interested in verifying things can, can find these things because they're open. And, and so that actually might have, have, uh, you know, more progress and actually lead, lead the way um, for data. Uh, so, so I find, find that interesting. Um, I, uh, one thing I, I want to ask, ask you about as well, how this, this factors in, you know, for the past um, decade plus, we've seen a rise of software and workflow that's partially driven by data, um, like, the, the whole uh, paradigm of machine learning where you actually have data and that data is the stuff that's going to train your weights and parameters that are going to be fed into your software. And so someone who wants to use the software will be like, well, where, where did you get all these weights? You know, can, can I reproduce this? Can I, can I see the training data? And it's like, well, no, that's the data. But no, it's the software. But no, this is the data part of the stuff. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of curious, like, like, like how that's playing out, or how you see that playing out. Um, is there any tension in terms of um, software workflow that you see that that's maybe data driven, and, it, and there's sort of acute issues with reproducibility because um, they're 
they're because the, the data isn't available and that's that's part of the software. Do you, do you see any any tensions with that? I'm, I'm just very, very open ended just thinking about this. <laughs> I told you, yeah. So I think as, as you also, you know, said like workflows and tools is the one thing um, that people think like, oh, I can share that because the data, the data is what is really driving it or makes the different results possible. So some tools, as you also said, like simulations are the data creators. So, so that there's only a little bit of configuration necessary without, you know, and then the simulation really creates the results. So I, I think there might be some friction really more in in these where data is in, in the medical space mm -hmm. or where, you know, you really have to be careful because to anonymize data, so, you know, before you can publish it, even if it's not about, you know, I want to have a patent first, but more also like, oh, th this is, you know, you could find out what, what kind of person that is, or, you, you know, you have to be careful. And I think that is a friction, but it doesn't need to be a real friction because I think, this fair, we are at this point where we know it's guiding principles. So if there's a good reason not to share, th then it's okay. Then you can still say, yeah, we cannot fulfill exactly everything here, but because of a reason. And I think as long as people just put the reason in as a comment, that is fine. Then you can still say, for this data set, it's totally fine. It goes up to, you know, it's fair in that way. That we cannot make it more fair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, that, so I, I think as long as as there are comments for that and there is a reasoning. For example, Schrödinger software is a fantastic software in the, the drug design space. Mm -hmm. They don't share their code base, and that is okay. You know, I mean, that's, that's, I totally understand that the company they earn the money for that. With that, <laughs> you know. So and so, but they they make a lot of things available also via you know um, gateways and everything and for teaching. So it's freely available um, at, at universities are almost free. I don't know the license model at the moment. It's a while ago that I looked into that. But they have really fantastic software. So that means um, they make it available for certain purposes. And in that regard, I would even consider it fair then. Because then, yes, they, they don't have the open source, but they have a good reason. <laughs> I mean, that is their, their business. So, so I, yeah. I think it doesn't have to be a friction as long as there is good reasoning behind it. Yeah, uh, great. And you know, thank you for, for bringing me the other way. That was very one-sided of me to think like, oh, yeah, software workflows are open. But it's like, no, 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 look at... Look at Schrodinger. Um, I, I, I'm familiar with the, you know the um, computational material science world. There's a very popular uh, you know uh, ab initio simulation package VASP that does DFT. That's you know closed source and um, and yeah, I, I don't think fair is necessarily incompatible with, with open. I guess the idea there is to um, have niceties of like, well, we use this version of the software. Um, and you know, maybe even even the 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 the, the checksum of, of the code that doesn't reveal the code, but you know if you have the code, and you know if you don't have the code um, that we had. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, pulling back a little bit, or I mean, actually, just just related. Um, 
as a gateway provider, um, I know a big thing, a big benefit is like, well, we really can't do this on our own systems. Um, but I imagine there's a tension between like, well, also we don't want our data to leak because we want to keep it to ourselves pre-publication. So like, do I want to upload it to this gateway? Um, all of that stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what kinds of things you know, have with that? I, I, I know, um, uh, one of the co-authors of the fair paper, you know, Baron Mons has, has, uh, has said things about um, data visiting and the, the idea that, uh, you know, maybe the gateways come to the, to the data or, or essentially, you know, like, like we have the data on our premises, but all the logic and workflows can come to us rather than us moving, moving the data around. I and mean, one thing is just practically, there's just a lot of data, but also like, you know, maybe I, I don't want to send my data to you. Um, I'm, Sorry, I'm curious, are, have you experienced any of this like hybrid approach where maybe like a, a gateway comes to user infrastructure or, 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 or just alternatively that, that theme of, of like how a gateway can technically, but maybe also socially ensure, uh, you know, mitigate risk of, of like data leakage and stuff so that people can feel comfortable using this gateway and, and not like, no, I need to buy my own cluster because no, I can't send it to the gateway. Um, so, so, so just in terms of that, that adoptability, while keeping things fair, um, while um, ensuring that things aren't uh, as open as, as, as you know, people don't want them open. Yeah. Yes. So at the beginning, also when cloud came out, and some of you know the researchers I talked to, they, they didn't trust the cloud. It was like this: no, I don't know what happens there, and I don't know what is behind it, and you know. Um, and I totally get it. I, I mean, the trust needs to be first a kind of earned, and I get that. So there, and there are two points or two sides also to it. One is the trust, but the other thing is, as you said, there might be a really petabyte of data. It, it's just really cheaper just to ship maybe a container with the tools to the data than trying to get the data over to a gateway. So so I have seen approaches, for example, David Abramson in Australia. He got an innovation award for that. So what he would do, he would um, use containers and each container would con ha contain, <laughs> would uh, have a Galaxy instance installed and what the users could do, hmm. they could you know, start it only for themselves in the cloud. It was their instance. No one else has access to it and use it with their data. And as soon as the workflow was finished, the instance would, would be killed by, mm. um, by the system and they could download their data. Or, you know, maybe they, they kept it there. So it depended on how, how big it probably was or what kind of data they needed. But that was one of the ideas. To, to really split up the whole science gateway where the data is and then to, to kill the instance when it's not needed anymore. And every user could do it for themselves. So that is a, that approach is, is really very cool for people. And that it's at the university. So the university users trust their environments there. Um, I, I think that there are a couple of approaches really to especially again with containers that you can ship them around where, where the data is. And what I've seen 
now with cloud, people are so used to cloud um, from their daily lives now that, that the, there's also more trust. And not, mm. you know, that I would say the situation is better than at the beginning with cloud regarding, you know, of security mechanisms or something. It's just only that it's for users now. Oh, they do that with their photos. They put their photos in the cloud. You know, it, it's like they have that it goes into the daily life. Sometimes um, lowers the hurdle also for 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 the science and or for you know education right. because it's like okay, if I trust them with my private photos, I can trust them also with you know with that data. So I, I think that helped a lot that it was really that it's mainstream now and people are more aware of the other side also as you said data is a big thing of course and everyone knows now that it's this big data there's so much data nobody can really analyze every data and you know so so really data is valuable yes mm -hmm. but people get also more of this like Okay, yeah, there are hackers. We have to be careful, and you know, you always have that side. But you also know, like, okay, at the university, at national labs, at least the, the infrastructure is also protected. So, and you know, the people behind who really protect my data. So, I, I think the situation got better. Also, yeah, as I said, because it has cloud is part of our daily lives now. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's been been socialized. It reminds me of um, Brian Nosek's pyramid, open source, where kind of like something you need the infrastructure to make it possible, but then UX makes it you know usable. But then of course it needs to be normalized, and then eventually you can get to the point of like policy, where it's like okay, this has to be fair. It's like well, we have to like be used to the idea, and so yeah, I, I definitely see the role of like you know, people in their everyday, their everyday lives doing that. Um, I also, I also love that idea uh, um, of, of like uh, these ephem this ephemeral galaxy instance that comes to your data and, and you know does it. it. It makes me think of the, um, a broader tr trend in a lot of tech known as serverless, um, which, which which isn't serverless, of course. <laughs> it's just that a server spins up ephemerally and, and, and does one thing. And so I'm, I'm you know I'm imagining the serverless gateway <laughs> or the on-prem. You know, local serverless gateway. That, that, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, the, this is this is great. Well, I, I want to be, be mindful of our, our time. Um, uh, we're, we're about at the half hour, which seems seems like a, like a, a good good time to, to do. We've really discussed a lot. I really enjoyed talking with you a lot, Sandra. Um, I'm, I'm curious that a, a couple of questions I I try to leave leave my leave my audience with for my guests. Uh, number one. Um, do you have any advice for our listeners? And, and, and this, this can be very broad. It can be very specific and pointed to the idea of, you know, fair for very science gateways, but it, you know, it, it could also be very, very broad as, as you alluded to with, with, with the, you know, with the idea with, with, with cloud photos, it could just be like kind of anything, any kind of broad advice, um, that, um, you'd like to, to share. So yeah, a broad advice would be if if possible, 
I love, you know, the listeners maybe to get into open science if if that's possible. I think it's it's really important to share with with everyone our research results. Um, as I said, if it's possible, we, we talked about the exceptions, but um, because I, I think it's important also to get more equality in the world because then I, you know, we get paid already for the research we are doing. So it, I don't like it when, you know, we had paid walls, you know, third world countries have have not the money then to see the research results or something. So I think open science is very important. And yeah, get into that if you can. Open science, look it up. All right, great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, Thank you. Yeah, and then the uh, second question, um, final question, who should I invite next on this show? Oh, there come a couple of names to, to mind, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think who would be also a really interesting um, conversation partner for, for this show, Mike Sentner, who is the director of the uh, Center for Excellence for Science Gateways, and hmm. I right. And he has also interesting takes on, on these topics. Yes. Thanks. Cool. Thanks. Um, uh, great. Thank you so much, Sandra. Um, all right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Donnie Winston, and I hope you join me again next time for Machine-Centric Science. <laughs>